Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, Tennis.com podcast listeners, this is a special episode with Nicole Malakar. I'm Nina Pantic, and I'll be your host in this interview, as well as Irina Falcone. Nicole has had an incredible summer this year after the reopening of the tour. She won the title in Strasbourg, reached the final in Cincinnati and the U.S. Open, and reached the semifinals of the French Open, pushing her ranking to a career-high number 11. She tells us all about her crazy 2020 season, as well as talks about how she became a double specialist, what her goals are for 2021, and what it was like to partner with French Open champion Iga Swiatek. Nicole has a lot of experience to share with us about being a doubles superstar. She has won eight WTA titles, is a two-time Grand Slam finalist, and won the mixed doubles Grand Slam title at Wimbledon in 2018 with Alexander Paya. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with Nicole Melikar. Hey, Nicole Melikar, thank you for joining us on the Tennis.com podcast. It's awesome to have you. I'm happy to hear, be here. Thank you for having me. So we want to start off by asking you where in the world you are at this moment and what you've been up to. Well, I'm at home. I live in Bradenton, Florida. And uh, it's currently not raining because I know it's raining where Irina is in Orlando. But um, yeah, I, uh, I finished my season. So French Open was my last tournament and I've taken it's been about uh, 10 or 11 days since. Um, honestly, I went to go visit family in the Czech Republic, um, my grandparents, some cousins. It was really nice. And then w- when I got back a few days ago, I've just been relaxing and enjoying for the most part. I hit once. I played some like family doubles with my parents. Um, so a little hit and giggle and I might go hit today just for fun as well. Um, but yeah, just sort of been enjoying not having to train and just giving my body a little bit of a break. That's so good. You seem like a pro now at the COVID travel. You've been to so many different tournaments since the reopening of the tour, but how has your 2020 been from the start? I mean, you kicked off in January and then the shutdown Mm -hmm. happened long break. Walk us through what 2020 has been like for you. Yeah, well, I started the season in Australia. Um, I did uh, well there, won my first title of 2020 in Adelaide, and then uh, didn't do well in um, in Aussie Open, unfortunately, but played Doha and Dubai. And then as that was going on, like we started hearing about the virus during Aussie Open, how it was spreading through China. And it was like, okay, there's something going on. And then and then as we were in Doha and Dubai, we started hearing more about it and how it's spreading to different countries. And that's when the world started, you know, you could hear them slowly start panicking and that Europe was going to go into lockdown. But then I, I honestly didn't think much of it. I never thought that a virus could really shut down the world. So flew home, was a few days at home, went to Indian Wells, and then all of a sudden Indian Wells gets canceled and you're like, what? <laughs> what just happened? So um, yeah, I went home and then once everything got canceled, um, I uh, I never stopped practicing. I was practicing every, every probably two or three days a week. 
um, just because if I stop hitting, I feel like I'm almost useless playing tennis. So I at least wanted to, I at least wanted to hit every few days just to like feel the ball and have some rhythm. But I did a lot of other things. I was doing rollerblading and biking and swimming, yoga, Pilates, gym workouts, and just a, a lot of different things for my body, which I think really helped it helped me get fitter and also helped with um, injury prevention. Cause I think if you do a lot of different things for your body, your body adapts. Um, just if, you know, if you have a funny movement, it's used to doing different movements. So uh, when I started again, the season, I started w with world team tennis, Nina, you were there. Yep. And um, yeah, I actually right off the bat, I played really well. Um, uh, I was playing with Coco for San Diego and then for New York and just ha had a great run. We won most of our matches. We ended up winning, uh, winning the title after getting traded to New York. And uh, I just took that momentum into Cincy US Open and into Europe. I, I played really well with all the partners that I played with. So I think, I think the time off just let me mentally relax and just, you know, enjoy life, but enjoy tennis for fun. Not because I had to do it, but I wanted to do it. So I think that was important. I think that's such a healthy like answer. We we've had a lot of different people on the podcast and we've had some people that trained every single day. We had some people that took like four months off me included. Um, I, I mean, we've had all kinds of different, you know, answers to that question. Um, and honestly, I, I love hearing about it. It was very candid. And I think you bring up such a good point about doing other things, Pilates, yoga, and all different kinds of things that maybe you wouldn't have done before. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually now, uh, now that I'm thinking about my preseason training, I feel like COVID, it was, we didn't know how long it was going to last, but it was kind of like a preseason. Once we knew that maybe tournaments will happen, you start getting more serious and preparing again, but I can take that experience from COVID and be like, Oh, like, you know, doing a bunch of different sports helped me. So now for my preseason, I feel like I can, I have a good idea of what worked now because I had good results. So maybe I try and do something similar. Do you have an idea as to when your preseason's going to start or has it kind of started already? Or, I mean, I guess it really never stopped for us. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I haven't really done much in the last 10 days. So like, I'll probably uh, I'm, I'm going to go hit after we're done with the podcast. And, uh, uh, you know, I want to hit, like, like I said, at least every two or three days, but, um, probably for the, like still the next couple of weeks, I'm going to take it easy, but I slowly want to, you know, I'll go on bike rides and, and rollerblade and stuff, but I want to, I need to talk with Torsten, my coach, and I need to, uh, talk with my fitness coach as well, just to see, um, what the plan is and how much time we want to maybe, uh, we need to like work on and improve certain things. And also I need to know the timeline from the Australian tennis federation, just, um, like, do I have to be in Australia by December 14th? That sounds awful. <laughs> I don't want to go so soon, but, um, if I have to go, then unfortunately I, I will go that early, but I'm, I'm really hoping they can move that timeline. You have to go. You're, you're pretty much a favorite now. Do you feel like a favorite even at majors? You reached the final of the U.S. Open, semifinals of the French. You're ranked number 11 in the world. Does it feel different going into the next year, even though things are crazy in terms of it getting into a draw? Does it feel different? Um, I feel like I've, over the last couple of years, um, 
2018, I made my first Grand Slam final. Last year, I had a very solid solid year. And then this year, I made another Grand Slam final. So I've definitely developed more more of a belief in myself and in my game. So I think more than anything, I don't think anything has changed from the outside, or at least I don't feel that. But I feel like just uh, personally, like the belief in myself um, has grown over the last few years. And uh, I really want to get that double major title under my belt. So I, I feel um, I feel a confidence going in, but I don't want to I don't want to put pressure on myself like, oh, I have to win the Australian Open or the French Open. No, I, I still want to continue to try and improve and grow. But I feel that um, that I I would like to think that I have what it takes to win one of those bigger tournaments. I'm sorry. Did did you say a uh, doubles majors title? A doubles major title. Yeah. Do you not have a mixed doubles major title? I do. Title? I have a mix, but not I'm a pretty double. sure Nina and I do not have a mixed doubles major title from Wimbledon. Like Wimbledon. I, I know about I know about myself. I don't think Nina has got one. So um that's pretty amazing. So please like do not just put that to the side. That is awesome. No, I'm not I'm absolutely not putting it to the side, but I, I have the mixed one, but now I want one in doubles. Okay. All right. Well, and, I remember seeing you when after you had won that and I just I thought it was the coolest thing because I mean not everyone can say they got a Wimbledon title. Your name is on the history wall forever. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> And uh, I remember you told me you were like, um, I asked you if you had family to come see you. And you said, yeah, my grandma was there because she had told me when I first started playing tennis, like that she would only come if I made it to the Wimbledon final. Mm -hmm. And you did. And and you won. And I thought I was like, that's the coolest story ever. (laughs) Yeah. And the better part was I made both Wimbledon finals, both doubles and mixed. So um, yeah, no, that was amazing. Cause even already when I had gotten to the semis, I was like, Oh, maybe she'll come. She's like, nah, you have to make the final. <laughs> like, okay, grandma. grandma. Okay. I'll make the That's final. Tough. That is tough. <laughs> Pretty tough. Is your whole family from the Czech Republic? You were actually born there, right? Before moving to the States. What's your family history? Do you speak Czech? I, I do speak Czech. Um, both of my parents are Czech. I was born there, but my parents already lived in the States at the time. Um, it's a complicated story why I was born there. Um, long story short, my mom didn't have health insurance and my dad was over there on business. So it was easier for her to fly back and have me born there rather than <laughs> me being born alone, like her alone in the States. Um, so yeah, so I do have dual citizenship. I have both passports, but um, I, I feel like I'm, obviously I love my Czech culture and stuff, but I'm, I'm very American. I represent the USA. I love playing for America. I've played Fed Cup a couple of times and stuff, but um, like, I, I love my Czech background, the Czech food and, and the history and the cities there. Like it's, it's really nice. I, I, I'm proud that I can have a little bit of both. It's very useful as well to have that second passport and that ability to speak a language that's pretty common in Europe. I love that. Yeah, no, it's been good, especially now during COVID. It was so easy to get to Europe because if I showed the American passport, they're like, wait, uh-uh, where are your papers? Where's this? Where's that? And I showed the Czech passport, like, oh, yeah, you're fine. They don't even look and check if the picture is yours. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I feel like I'm sure you've gotten this question asked before, but I remember we were playing ITFs years ago and, you know, all of a sudden you go and you win a Wimbledon title. Like that is a significant difference. I understand that it happens to a lot of players, but I just want to know, was there anything in 2018 that happened that kind of 
really catapulted you and changed something in your game and your I know you did talk about belief. I just wanted to know if there was like a switch or something that you started doing. Well, 2018 was the first full season that I had like a partner from for the whole year. I played with Kveta Peshke and uh, it was the first time that I also had a full-time coach with Torsten, um, which is her husband. So I think just having that um, and the year before, uh, when I was playing with Anna Smith, I had like a taste of that because her and I played for half of the year and sometimes her coach came. So I started to have a feel of what it was like to have a coach and a steady partner. But in 2018, it was it was the real deal. It was the full time coach and the partner. And and that's just what you're doing. So I feel like adding that um, really helped because Torsten helped me develop the knowledge and just improve a lot and being alongside someone who's been on the tour for so long and has already won a Wimbledon title and has been there done that so she didn't get nervous in any situation really she could really help guide me on the court so I think it was just the the big combination of of everything so improving my own game having like a set structure on what to do having a game plan with my partner and working and developing um that like a uh, player relationship like with each other so I I used to think um you don't really or not I didn't I never thought you don't need a coach but I thought like oh maybe you don't really need a coach kind of but I I really truly understand the value of having a coach and I think it's very difficult to get past the top 50 and doubles um, to get higher than that without a coach. Like top 50 you can get, but if, if you want to get top 20, top 10 to those rankings, you need someone that supports you. You really do. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Nicole Melikar. She's telling us what it's like to be so amazingly good at doubles. Keep listening. You talk about um, top 20 and top 10, and you're currently 11 in the world. So other than like the major title that you do want to get the doubles major title, um, are there any other goals that you see for 2021? Granted, I know everything is kind of out in the open and kind of TBA. Uh, but just in like a kind of perfect world, what would you say some goals for you are? Well, my, one of my goals for this year was to make top 10. That didn't happen. Obviously, I'm super thrilled with number 11. Um, but I would like to get that top 10 mark um, if I'm going to push it farther, like top five, you know, like you always want to you always want to strive to be better. But um, overall, I think I would. I would like to see myself be um, more consistent going deeper into the draws uh, more consistently. I did that now um, post COVID uh, with Cincinnati U S open French open. Like I, I did very well. So I'd like to continue um, doing that. Cause before I feel like I would have good results, but a lot of first round losses. So if I can develop that consistency and also to stay healthy, I think that is a big goal in itself, just to really be mindful of my body and just listen to it and try and 
um, do the right things, even if I want, don't want to do the rehab exercises, force myself to do them and, and just do the routines just because it's so good for me. And I think it'll, it'll help with the longevity of my career. You've had a few different partners this year. And in general, you know, it's hard to kind of plan ahead who you're going to play with and you try and stick these partnerships. It makes sense. But how do you practice day in and day out if you're not sure who you're going to play with? And if you're not training with that partner, like that's I feel like a dumb question there, but like, how do you train for doubles every single day? Yeah, that's not a dumb question at all. It's actually an excellent question. Well, I feel like, um, <laughs> I feel like there's always things you can work on, um, by yourself. You know, I can always, uh, some things I really want to target that I think are two of the most important shots in tennis, whether it's singles or doubles are the serve and the return. You know, you can always get more accurate with the serve. You can maybe increase increase the miles per hour. Um, you can get the kick to jump higher, the slice to stay lower and, and stuff. So um, I think working on certain things um, technically um, and just seeing what I do well or what I don't do well in matches. Let's say if I'm rallying cross court and my partner is at the net, but you know, she needs to help me to poach every second or third ball because I can't hold the rally. Well, if I can hold the rally longer, then maybe she doesn't need to panic as much and try and poach. So I think there are things, even if you don't have the partner on the court with you, you can just work on individual things. And no one, I, I think no one has really perfect technique. And I think you can always, you know, improve your footwork or in, improve like the technique on your volleys and, and different things like that. So uh, Torsten Peschke, we talked about how he is the husband of Kaveta Peschke. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious, is that tough being having like a coach that's also the husband of the person that you were at one point playing with and potentially competing against sometimes? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. And it's uh, a little bit difficult at times because when when I was playing with her, um, because he normally coaches, uh, multiple players. So if, uh, if we would play against another team that he's coaching, obviously it's human nature. He wants his wife to win. So when she was beside me, even though, um, he wasn't coaching any of us, he was always excellent with, you know what, like you girls, you know, each other well enough. I stay out of it. I'm going to watch. I'll talk to you after the match. I'm not going to prepare you for it, but you girls know what to do. Go do your job. So I have a high level of respect that he always um, abided to those rules, but I always knew playing with her, he wanted me to win as well because he wanted her to win. But now this year I played against her twice. And even though, you know, he's not just my coach, he's also a very good friend and I'm very good friends with her, but you know, if I win, I know he wishes me well, but he still wanted Kveta to win. And it's one of those awkward things that, you know, you don't really want to say, come on, when you're playing against your friends or things like that. It's just, for me, it's more difficult. I try, I try to know that they know it's not personal if I hit a good shot and I need to say, come on, but you know, you, it's, it's a sticky situation. You just, you never want to be disrespectful, especially when you're playing against your friends. Right. And I mean, they, I'm sure they've been in that situation before, though, too many times. Oh, a million times. Kveta must have played against players that her husband has been coaching, I don't know, 50 times in her career. I don't know how many. So she for sure has been used to it. But um, but I think it's always nice knowing that he especially I think a coach always has the best intentions for their player. 
um, or, it's, or at least that's the way it should be. But you know, when like he's uh, her husband and you're playing with her, he's always gonna tell you what he really thinks um, is right and what he wants you to work on. He's, he's, not, he's not gonna guide you wrong, why would he? So there's no alter, um, there's no different motivation um, for him. He just wants you to improve. And I, that was always a nice peace of mind for me. Doubles is so juicy. There's so many little dynamics. I think people aren't that aware of all these like little intrinsic intricities. That's not even a word. Uh, I wanted to ask about the French Open. Your most recent tournament was uh, in Paris and you paired up mm -hmm. with someone people might know. Um, it's Iga Schweitek and or Schweintek. We've trying to learn her name for weeks now. And yeah, no what was it like first playing with her and then watching her win? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I picked a really good partner <laughs> especially because it was partner. three days before the sign in deadline <laughs> oh my gosh but someone that's 11 in the world you can't think that you're gonna have a problem finding a partner though right but like, no finding a partner no but i wanted to find i was i was really trying to find someone who i thought i had the potential of of doing well with so even though maybe some other players had reached out to me i was still you know i was still trying to like find who I uh, felt would best suit me. And uh, I think I made a very good choice with Iga. And uh, obviously we had no clue that she was gonna win the tournament. Actually before the tournament, we were joking, we were thinking about, it. we're like, hmm, who's gonna win the women's title? And as a joke, I was like, oh, Iga Sviatik. And then uh, my coach looked at me, I was like, oh, I think someone who's never won the French Open before will win. So in that sense, I think I was right. <laughs> you put it out there. <laughs> that's well done yeah but no playing with her she's just she, she's a very nice person first of all I didn't really know her before but she is a genuinely kind-hearted uh, person that um and I like those type of people you never want to play with someone that you don't like uh so first of all she, she that was wonderful and then she always gave her best effort on the court and because of her singles I I wanted to maybe teach her a little bit more doubles because obviously singles players um if you don't practice doubles it's different but her instincts were so good I felt like it was hard for me to tell her something because she felt the ball so well so um I, I I really enjoyed playing with her and I trusted her she trusted me and we made a, an excellent pairing and uh I was happy we made the semis but I feel like um I feel like we definitely could have won that match we had so many chances in the first set and lost the first set and then ended up losing the match. But to Desiree and Alexa's credit, they played an incredible match as well. So um, it, it was almost bittersweet. It was like, oh, we made the semis, but I felt we could have gone farther too. So it was, uh, it was bittersweet. Let's say that. You wouldn't be an athlete or a champion if you didn't think that you could do better. I mean, that's just, that's just the mentality exactly yeah, it, it must be nice to be 11 in the world now you get to be picky with your doubles partners in a sense like i i remember obviously not never being in close to that realm but you know once you start getting top 100 top 75 top four like top 60 then all of a sudden you know you you get to be a little picky so i'm guessing like 11 in the world you get to be very picky with your partners yeah i mean i I still have, I always remember the grind and what it takes to get up there. And I, I remember uh, maybe when we played, you know, I remember asking you a hundred times to play with me and then finally you gave me a chance and we did well. Oh and, <laughs> and, you know, and there's uh, always, 
you know, when I was uh, lower ranked and I was asking the higher ranked players, like, play with me, play with me. And they were picky. And um, it's just, uh, you, you just always want to feel like you're picking the partner that will best suit you. And it's not always the highest ranked player. I actually had higher ranked players uh, asking me, but I think the pickiness goes with uh, what combination you think, um, what maybe has great potential. You don't when you're 11, you can actually, you don't have to look at rankings. When you're maybe 50 or 60 in the world, you have to look at rankings because you just want to get in to the tournament. You're like, oh, what's our combined ranking? Oh, your ranking's three spots higher. Okay, I play with you. But now with 11, I, you know, I have many more options because mm -hmm. if the cutoff is 100, then I, I need someone in the top 80. So then I have more options. So it's, um, it's definitely a good position to be in. But I, I always want to try and be mindful of, I used to be in that position as well. So I, I still try and be respectful to everyone. And hopefully, hopefully I am hopefully, cause I never, I never, my intentions are never to be rude or to be mean or anything. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about you. So you're doing well. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, cu I'm curious about your process in becoming this double superstar. Did you turn pro as a teenager and obviously with the intention of playing singles as well, what was your process like when you first joined the tour? I mean, I never thought I was going to be a double specialist, to be honest. I don't think uh, players grow up with the intention of, oh, I want to play doubles. Um, I think doubles is an amazing career and I absolutely love it. I've learned to love the sport more than singles, actually, because I, I think there's just so much more diversity in doubles just with like the things you can do on the court with four players. But um, yeah, growing up, I of course I wanted to be a singles champion and uh, I tried that career, but I didn't have much money. I didn't have a coach to travel with me. I wasn't uh, progressing in the rankings as quickly as I, as I would have liked. And then unfortunately I got mono, so I got sick. And then when I came back from mono too soon, I couldn't really win many singles matches cause I was getting too tired. So, but I was winning doubles matches cause you didn't have to be on the court as long with the no odd scoring format. So as my doubles ranking went up and my singles ranking didn't, then I started to get into bigger tournaments and doubles that, WTA events they pay for your hotel as long as you're in the tournament and you get more prize money so it was almost like follow the money and then yeah my rankings were too far apart and then I had to make a choice okay do I want to grind and still do the singles dream or do I go with doubles which actually I think my game is better suited for so I I, I chose the doubles route and it's it worked seems out like you made a really good decision <laughs> I, I i don't regret my decision at all i uh I, i'm really happy with it and um i think i think i'm seeing more players like see that maybe they don't really do so well in, in singles but then they're they're doing that doubles route earlier as well i think the average age of doubles players has gone down like um has, is younger nowadays than it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago it's yeah, good. I mean, you just bought your first house how many years ago? Just a couple of years ago and Yeah, 2018. Clearly, I mean, it's not it's not a bad way to go. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Hi, everyone. You're listening to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Our special guest, Nicole Malakar, is telling us what it was like to compete with Iga Schweintek at the French Open. Keep listening for more. I uh, definitely wanted to ask you, for those that are not watching this episode on YouTube or Facebook, you are wearing a Neptune shirt. You're yes, wearing, you, you've been wearing this brand for a little while. I think it's been all year. Can you tell us about Neptune and what it is? Well, um, a friend of mine, Patrick Frangi, and uh, his, uh, his friend Don Mann, who um, is a former Navy SEAL from Team 6, I believe. I need to get my history on that uh, more accurate for these interviews. But um, they thought something was missing from... Uh, they wanted they wanted to build their own brand and something that they could make a name that like really inspired um, and just like showed like how you can like work hard and stuff. So they came up with the name uh, Neptune because Navy Seal King, King Neptune with the water it makes sense. And also a lot of Navy Seals tattoo the trident on their sh- um, on their shoulder. So the E being like a trident and their um, philosophy, like Fear the Trident, it sort of all mixes together. But um, yeah, they wanted to develop a clothing brand, um, just an athletic clothing brand for, you know, for military, for um, uh, Army, Navy, just athletic people in general, gym, tennis, like they wanted to do many different, um, like athletic wear. And uh, the material is really nice. They have different, um, a few different fabrics for for different items, but all the material has been very high quality. And uh, I've even helped design some of um, some of the tennis clothes. So I've given a lot of input in that. And they just continue to grow. They launched about a month ago the website, and uh, I think they've been pretty successful so far. I think they've had like steady orders. So. You know, they're just going to try and grow and, and see how big they can get. But um, obviously without um, reducing the quality, they want to keep the quality very high. They want to do something similar like Lululemon. Like, you, you know, when you go and buy something, it's going to last a long time. It's not going to stretch. It's not going to do things, but it's just a, it's a good fabric, but actually looks nice as well. And um, they also want to, at some point, make tennis shoes because actually there aren't that many companies that make good tennis shoes. I have been wearing Mizunos for many years. I think Asics has very good tennis shoes, but outside of those two shoes, no shoes actually fit my feet. Um, But outside of, you know, you can add Nike and Adidas and maybe Lotto in there. But other than that, I can't really think of many companies that make a good tennis shoe. So I think they have a, a good market for that as well. That's awesome. Well, it looks good. I, uh, I'm friends with Madison Keys and Bjorn Fertangelo, who is also wearing their stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was showing me a few of the, a few of the items and yeah, the fabric is, is top notch. Yeah. Bjorn just, uh, was added, uh, Katerina Stewart and, um, and Aliaj Bedene, um, the Slovenian guy. So it'll be us four. So hopefully Bjorn and Kat can, do well now before um before Aussie and then hopefully they can get into Aussie Open as well because I know Bjorn's been hurt and stuff I love that you're since we're on a podcast I will say if anyone wants to shop Neptune I have a 15% discount code hey go ahead it's N Melikar so N Melikar all capital for a 15% discount (laughs) Sweet. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Tell everyone about it because I mean, it is really cool to be at the ground level of something that's just launching. It's really fun to see a new company and we're seeing them adding players. You mentioned them. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought you were designing 
the clothes. So I'm glad that you are because I that's what I thought in my head. Mm -hmm. That is yeah, I'm definitely cool. helping with the color schemes and different stuff and giving a lot of feedback. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so fun. That's awesome. I feel like you're such a good role model for anyone, you know, in terms of everything you're doing and like your attitude and how nice you are. I love, I've loved and really enjoyed talking with you. And I hope that you've enjoyed our time here on the podcast. Thank you. I have enjoyed the time. And if you want to do it again, let me know. Awesome. Well, we wish you the best of luck in these undetermined times, Nicole. And um, yeah, stay safe, be healthy. More, most importantly, be healthy, be happy and um, good luck. Likewise, ladies, it was nice to see you and have a wonderful day. Thank see you. Ya. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.